Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Right, let's get the preaching on. Let's give it up for Rod Norman. Come on. I want to pray for you, brother. Thank you so much for this man of God. Thank you for the family man that he is, the father, the husband, the man of God, the preacher that he is. We pray that he would speak tongues of fire today and impact lives and change lives through your word and your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning. Sir, do you need your glasses? (laughs) I know I can't go anywhere without my glasses, so it's no that. He's at that age now where he needs it as well, isn't it? (laughs) Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. This morning, um, as I was thinking about this sermon and what to speak to you about, it it was quite difficult for me um, to really articulate or write down what God had placed on my heart. But let me first start off with, something that we always bring up in the church, which is our church journey planner. So if you haven't seen it, if you're not aware of the journey planner, that's our journey planner looks, okay? And it's certain steps from when you come to Christ till eventually when you're at the stage where you know your purpose and you're making a difference in life. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, sometimes we come to church and we come to church for an upbeat message, you know, something that is going to inspire you, something that's going to get you up and down, and something that, you know, speaks to your, your emotions at that moment. But that's not always what God wants. Because God wants you to go on a journey. The journey plan is gone now. But <laughs> Thanks, Clee. Now it's fine, Clee. He wants you to go on a journey from getting to to meet him that first time to maturity because God wants you to be a mature Christian. He doesn't want you to always be a baby Christian who doesn't know what is required of you. He wants you to go on a journey to know who he is, to actually find freedom in your life because you know what the problem is. We go through life. We start life. And we go through life with certain things. You know, I have um, friends that always hit me up on Facebook. So I get friend requests from people. And um, you get the name come up, John Doe. And you think, who is this person? And, and you've you got to kind of rack your brain. Who is this person that has sent me this friend request? And then you're like, oh, do you know what? I met them, that person I grew up with. We were in primary school together, and we did this and that together. And, um, and then, you, you know, you connect to them on Facebook. And then they talk to you on Facebook, and they say, oh, Roderick, how are you? And, and then they bring back the memories of who you used to be. Because they only remember you from that point in time. They remember you from primary school or high school or you were in your 20s doing certain things. So that's how they remember you. And you know what? 
then they start drawing your attention to what you used to be. If we can just add that first slide up quickly. So this slide is, uh, if you don't know, on the left-hand side, that is a Ferrari. And on the right-hand side is a dragon. Now, if you ask yourself, what does these two things have in common? Nothing much, really, except that when I was growing up, I was called both these things. Because in Cape Town, we've got this thing of giving people nicknames. You know, so when you're young, you get nicknames. I don't know if they do it here in the UK, give people nicknames. And the nickname is basically something about your character. It's how you get your nickname. So when I was in primary school, I was rapid. I was quick. 100 meter was my race. 50 meters was my race. When, I, when there was sports day, they signed me up for the 50 meters and the 100 meters because I was quick. You know, I was, I know, just looking at me now, you're thinking, how the heck was he a runner? I used to be, I used to be much better than this. So they used to call me Ferrari because that's how quick I was. And then as I grew up, I got the nickname of the dragon. I don't know how that nickname came about. It's, it's, but most of my friends, 80% of my friends, knew me as the dragon. Well, it was, it was a Cape Town um, Afrikaans word, but I can't say that now because none of you guys would actually even be able to recognize if I say the word. So I'll just say dragon. But no, it was an Afrikaans word. So that is how they associated me with these names. So when I get hit up on Facebook and someone talks to me, they call me Dragon, how are you doing? You know, and it brings back the memories of who I was. And when you are Christian, it's difficult because we get called all kinds of names. People remember you for your life before Christ, unfortunately. People remember you for your life before Christ. As I stand here, I'm a husband. That's a name that is given to me. I'm a father. My kids call me father. I'm a foreigner to some of you. I'm a preacher. As I stand here, I currently function in the role of a preacher. And I'm also a sinner as I stand here. These are all names that you can associate me with. Names seem to define us. Names seem to establish and define our identities. Sometimes we go through life only associating ourselves by the names that people call us. People say that you are a divorcee. So you associate yourself as only a divorcee, as only someone who's been divorced. People call you a slut. So you associate yourself as only that thing, unfortunately. People call you all kinds of things. And you associate yourself with that thing. But I'm here to tell you that you are none of those things. You are none of those things. You are 
a child of God. You are a daughter and you are a son of God. That's how He sees you. It doesn't matter how other people see you. It's how He sees you. As a Christian, that is who you are. Do you know what? Jesus had that same thing. He realized at some point in his ministry that people were calling him by other names. So he turns to his apostles one day and he says, what do people call me? And some of them said, you know what? They call you Elijah. Others call you John the Baptist. Others, because he knew that there was names that people were associating him to that was not his true identity. I'm, I'm always fascinated by when I'm reading through the Bible to, and, and I've learned some of this as well in, in the Bible course that I did with Chandra. It's amazing that you read a scripture and you don't always understand the background and context of the scripture. For instance, when I used to think of Mary Magdalene, I always used to think of her as a prostitute. Why? Because for many years, the church taught that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. But she was not that at all. In Luke 8 verse 1 to 3 it says, After this Jesus traveled about from one town to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The disciples were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and disease. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. So, it says, the Bible says, Mary Magdalene had seven demons in her that Jesus had released out of her. But it goes on to say that Mary Magdalene and other women were funding the gospel. These women were making sure that Jesus was fed and clothed and all those type of things. But we don't get taught about it. No one tells you that the women who were following Jesus were the ones who were getting an income, were making and creating money to actually fund the gospel. So the church at that time, because the church in the early century was very male-dominated. They couldn't say those things. So what they'd rather say was, Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Because they couldn't elevate the woman to the way that she was supposed to be elevated. But the Bible says that Mary and other women were funding the gospel. So it's important that you get to know who you are. Because other people will have a total different opinion of you and they will oppress and suppress that opinion on top of your life to the point where you believe what they are telling about you. The things that they're saying about you, you're going to believe it and it's not even true. And it's not even true. Identity is core to your Christian walk. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you, me and you, all of us here, we are a chosen people. We are 
a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out. That's who you are. Nothing else, nothing that anybody else says, nothing else that they say about you is true. All that's true about you is what your Father in heaven says who you are. And he says you are chosen, you are royal, you are holy, you are special. You may have heard that people mention to you, you need to find your identity in Christ. But maybe you don't even know what that means. You don't know what your identity in Christ is. You maybe have no idea how to live out your identity because you look in the mirror every single day and the last thing you see is a king or a queen. The last thing you see is someone who is special. The last thing you see is someone who is chosen. The last thing you feel is royal. You feel broken. You feel rejected. You feel hurt and confused. These are all names. All these things are names. We take our feelings and we put a name to the feeling and we put that name over our lives. I am lonely. I'm hurt. And now we become those things. Now we live out those things. We don't live as a chosen people. We don't live royal. We don't live as a holy nation. The thing is, we have misplaced our identity. You placed your value, whether or not you like it or not, on your looks, on what you're studying, on your job, on your home, the clothes you wear, the car you drive, your achievement. You place your identity in things rather than placing your identity in the one who has made you. Because he knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Do you know what? I, you look at your phone. And I love the um, Miles Mando, he, he talks about this a lot. If I look at my phone, I use my phone 24-7, so I know the ins and outs of my phone. But the thing is, I don't know what goes on inside of my phone because I never created this phone. I just use the phone. So when I go through this phone and I think, oh, I need to do something, but I don't know how to do it. Then where do I go to? How do I find out how to do a certain thing? You go to the, you go and find, you know, the, um, the booklet, or you go online and you find out, okay, how do I find how to take a photo? So you look it up, you read it. So you have a little manual that you go through, and the manual tells you how to use the phone. So the creator of the phone, he created a manual to go with the phone so that if you get stuck about how to use the phone, you go to the manual of the phone and that is how you find out 
how to use us effectively. 80% of us don't use our phones effectively. We use our phones to take photos, we use our phones to make calls, we use our phones to receive calls, we use our phones to go onto all our social media stuff. But the guy who designed it, designed it for a purpose. He put it together for the purpose. And the same is with you. You are created on a purpose, for a purpose, like we'd normally say. And you have a manual as well. And that manual is the Word of God. If you want to know about yourself, then you need to go to your manual, not to your neighbor or your friends, because your friends do not understand you like the manual understands you. The manual knows what is true about you. This year, the Word of God knows what is true about you. Don't place your value on other things. First things first, how can we define identity? And what is an identity in Christ? Your identity is who you are. It's how you view yourself. And in some circles, it's how the world, other people, views you. That's your identity. Your identity speaks to the characteristics that define you. But what does it mean to put your identity in Christ? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. You are a new. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, then you are a new creation. You are not the same person who you were. Other people want you to be the same person who you were. Because they like that you can still be the same person who you are. Because they know that if I, if I need someone to go drinking with, I can come to you. Because we've always gone out drinking. If I need someone to party with, I can go with my party animal. Because they feel comfortable knowing the old you, but not the new you. The world do not want the new you. They don't want you to be a new creation in Christ. We need to become new people because we are all sinners in need of a savior. When you don't have Jesus, there's no distinction between you and the rest of the world. We are all his creation. We become his children when we accept him into our hearts. So, few things quickly how to become, how to be in Christ and have an identity in Christ. First of all, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture and the world around you. You are a new creation. Second Galatians 2 verse 19 says, verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
the life I live now, the life I live now is Christ in me. That is the life that you are living now, is Christ in you. Don't copy, Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. If you're not careful, you can easily become accustomed to the world. You can easily, as a Christian, we can easily go back into our old habits. However, when you fix your gaze on Christ, the Holy Spirit can transform you from the inside out. Secondly, remember what God says about you. God says so much things about you in this manual. In the story of Gideon, Gideon and his family and the rest of Israel, was, they were serving other gods. And Gideon one day was in this barn threshing wheat. And remember, he's serving other gods. And then in Judges 6 verse 11 to 12, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak that belonged to Joash the Abrazite, where Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So the God comes to Gideon and he says, Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. But now Gideon didn't see himself as a mighty warrior. Gideon saw himself as weak. He saw himself as something not any, anywhere close to being a warrior. And we know eventually Gideon becomes a powerful man of God, a general in the army of God. Why? And how did it start? It started by God telling him, you are a mighty warrior. It starts with you taking a promise, a word of God, and taking that into your life. I'm a child of God. I'm a chosen. I'm chosen. And making that a part of your life. And eventually, you live that out in your life. But we don't. We take the things that the world tells us, and we live those things out in our lives. Trends are temporary. What's in one second in the world is out next. We know that. This phone, today it's the best phone ever. Tomorrow, a new phone comes out. That's how the world operates. But we don't operate on the way the world does. We only operate on what God tells us on who we are. Do you know, there are so many powerful things that God says about you in the word of God. Psalm 139 says, I will give thanks to you, for I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and my soul knows that very well. Can you declare that over your life? That I am awesome, and I'm wonderfully made. No matter how people see me, no matter the mistakes I've made in life, in this moment where I've accepted Christ, I can stand on the word of God and say, I am awesomely and wonderfully made. What has gone, what is behind me 
I leave that behind me. When someone hits me up on Facebook and says, do you know what, can you remember that time? No. That's in my past. I refuse to be reminded of those things. I strive for what's ahead because I'm awesomely and wonderfully made. I'm chosen. God has chosen me. He has set me apart. So I will strive to be the man of God who he wants me to be, not to my friends has seen me to be in the past. Can you say amen to that? Thirdly, rely on who God is. Rely on who God is. We go through life and we forget sometimes that we can stand and depend on the promises of God. When you're going through trials and tribulations, you should know that you can stand when God has said, do you know what, I will see you through this. That you can stand on it with the assurance that he will get you through it. But we don't rely on God. We rely on our emotions. We rely on other things. We rely on our jobs. We rely on other people. That is not what he wants for you. He wants you to rely on him. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 to 10 said, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then, then I am strong. Why? Because I rely on God, not on myself, not on my own achievements, not on my own thought processes, not on my knowledge. I rely on who God is. In understanding the nature of God, he reveals the nature of you. On relying on who he is, he will explore unimaginable depths. He will empower you to walk in your authority. You can only be made strong when he's actually living in you. Your identity should be him because he's in you. But we live as, what do they call that? That's a, um, as a mistaken identity or we have dual identities. You can't have a dual identity. If you're in Christ, you only have his identity. Nothing else. You are in him. He enfolds you in his wings. That means you become a part of him. It says you can run into his strong tower. He wants you to be in him. Not a part of him. But we live our lives apart. You are only a Christian when you're in church. When you step out of that door, you are still what the world calls you. Don't be like that. Don't live your life like that because that is only going to lead the way to you actually wondering about, am I really saved? You are saved. You are chosen. You are unique. You are beautiful. If no one has told you today, you are beautiful. Each and every one of you. Why? 
because he has made you who you are exactly as you are. And he has a plan and a purpose and destiny he has placed upon your life. He's placed destiny in your life. You have a couple of options today. You can drop all your expectations, you know, about who you are. You can drop it and allow him to be in you and just surrender yourself to him. You know, find something outside of yourself. The way that he intended you to be. We sang earlier, the band can come up. Where's the band? <laughs> we, sang, we sang earlier about Jesus. And we know that the Bible says that there is a name above every other name. Why does, why does God say that there is a name, pleasure, <laughs> that there is a name above every other name? Because he knows that we struggle daily with this issue of identity. We struggle every day with this issue of names. I have cancer. I have a broken, oh, I do actually have, my knee is just shattered. So the knee, my knee pains. I am this, I am that. We associate names to ourselves every single day. If you think about yourself right now, when you are quiet, when you are alone, there's always something about yourself that you think about. And that something has a name. It has a name. Insecurity has a name. Depression has a name. Everything has names associated to it. But we know that there is a name above every other names. And that name is Jesus. When you're feeling depressed, when you're feeling alone, call on the name of the Lord. The Word of God says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Not you can be saved. Not you might be saved. You will be saved. When you're struggling, no matter what you're struggling with, call upon the name of of the Lord, the name above every other name. Jesus, today, I replace that other name that's in my head that I'm struggling with. This thing that is letting me down every day. This thing that is causing me to have sleepless nights. This thing that's causing me to, to see myself differently. This thing that is causing me not to be able to even look at myself. I replace that thing with your name. Jesus. I replace it with the name of Jesus. And I say, Lord, you have chosen me. Because your word says, I'm chosen. 
So I will stand upon that. Lord, I'm set apart because your word says I'm set apart. I am a new creation because your word says I am a new creation. Amen.